Welcome to Coast to Ghost. I'm Carly. And I'm Bee, and we're two friends that met each other at Build-A-Bear a couple years ago, and now we tell spooky stories to keep each other entertained. Oh yeah. So, I think we're sticking with the question, shtick. Is For that a word? For sure. A shtick? Yeah. Shtick. Yeah. I don't even know how to spell that. Um, but I have kind of a cheesy one for you today. Okay. Vampire or werewolf? Oh, which do one you would you not be? know me? Do you I not do. know me? Werewolf. Werewolf. So you'd want to be a werewolf, though? Or would you want to be a vampire? No, I don't want to live forever. I don't want to be cold. Werewolf. And then I have a better chance with Taylor Lautner. <laughs> so you were Team Jacob? Oh, I don't Dude, is uh, 10 Team episodes Jacob. in too long to break our streak? Like Team Jacob till I die. <laughs> I actually, yeah, I think um, they both had their issues, but I think I was Team Jacob too, to be honest. But would you be the type of werewolf that, like, changes every month or would, like, because that sounds painful. Like, there are other types of werewolves. Like, would you want to have control over when you change? Yes, or? I want to have control. And I don't... You haven't seen Harry Potter, so I can't <laughs> reference that. Um, but yes, I'd want to be in control of my changing. Interesting. Yeah, I think... I mean, who wouldn't want to be? And I just don't think I could deal with, like, me seeing, like, people I love die and me just live forever. I mean, don't get me wrong. It'd be cool to live forever, but I don't think it's... I don't think it's for me. I don't know if I could get over the taste of blood, to be honest. Oh, I definitely couldn't. Like, I mean, I guess if you're a vampire, maybe it tastes a little bit better, but, like, it still can't be great. So would you rather be a vampire? Hmm. Yeah, I would. Just because okay. I know I just said I couldn't get over the taste of blood. Now, but... would you be, like, a, the kind of vampire that feeds off humans, or, like, could you manage on animals? humans man like I, I know that makes me sound like an asshole but literally all the lore that i have ever read is like you know you have to feed on a human and you'll be stronger <laughs> so like if i have the chance to be stronger why not but i wouldn't be one of those people who like killed anybody i feel like it would be a catch and release situation man like i would not so, so want to kill you, anybody would you be like Kind of like a, what's the word, like a Robin Hood-ish vampire. Like a vigilante? Yes, like the people you would feed off of are like not good people. Yeah, honestly, I feel like, yes. Um, but I most of the it. time I think I would just live in like a lighthouse for eternity and just read books. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, it's just chilling. <laughs> okay, so I have a very interesting story. I'm so excited. For you today. Uh, so it takes place in 2013 in Ori County, South Carolina. Wait, this is like a... Oh, oh, fuck. Okay, am I allowed <laughs> to guess? Yeah, sure. This Does this make me seem like a dick because this is super recent? Uh, Heather Elvis? Of course. So do you know, like, the story? Um, or do you just know? 
So I know pieces of the story. I remember one Christmas, Sakisti, which is like this high school that Mm -hmm. is around where we were. Um, They put on a Christmas pageant. And I remember super vividly at the end of it, um, her sister came up on stage and said, like, hey, we're looking for my sister. Like, if you know anything, like, please contact the police department. And I remember just like sitting there like, okay, Um, what? Interesting. Yeah. So you might have a little, because you lived there during this time, right? Um, I lived close to there, maybe about five, ten minutes away. I didn't attend that school, but I knew people who did, because my high school was like a bunch of different schools put together. So, Okay, well, I will get started. So, Heather Elvis was born on June 30th, night. 1993 in Ori County, South Carolina to Terry and Debbie Elvis and she's the older sister of Morgan Elvis. She went to St. James High School in Merle's Inlet and graduated in 2011. Okay, so my sister did go to St. James. Ah! Um, I did not. So shortly after graduation, uh, Heather's parents allowed her to move out and into an apartment close by in Carolina Forest. So all these cities that I Shelby and I are very like familiar with this area um because we both used to live in this area so all the cities that I will mention during this case are five ten minutes away from each other so all very close relationship to each other yeah they're really I don't understand why there are so many sub districts in Horry County but there are like when I moved here this is the only town for about 45 miles either direction and it's not like that in South Carolina. No, it's like every five minutes you're just in like a different city or town or whatever. Same amount of traffic though. Yeah. Oh my god, I sound like an old woman. (laughs) We both do. (laughs) It's that damn traffic, those damn tourists. (laughs) Okay, so during this time, uh, she was working as a hostess at the Tilted Kilts and the House of Blues, as well as going to school for cosmetology. Did you ever go to the House of Blues? I did not. I did not. Same. I don't think I went I to the Tilted Kilt, but I I think I didn't it, I think it closed like the year I got there. Uh yeah, cuz I think it closed right after all of this happened. Yeah, okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. Okay, so at the time Heather was living with Brianna Warlman, who she was one of Heather's coworkers at the Tilted Kilt. And Brianna was from out of state. So in June 2013, Heather had taken notice in a man who was repairing the kitchen at the Tilted Kilt. This man was Sidney Moorer. He was 37 years old. Heather was about 20 at the time. He was a resident of Sockesty, South Carolina, but was also married and a father. So there are like instantly red flags for me because if you guys don't know uh, what the Tilted Kilt was, it's essentially like... I don't want to compare it to this because this business has gotten a lot better, but Hooters, mm-hmm. except it was Irish-themed. Um, so the outfits yeah. are, like, kind of Pretty scandalous, yeah. Yeah, especially in 2013. A lot of people thought it was kind of interesting. So the fact that he's 37 at the time and she's, like, clearly just out of high school mm-hmm. is really disturbing to me. So it was very known from anyone, like, who worked with heather and stuff that she was interested in sydney brianna even recalled a time while her and heather were at work heather pointed out sydney and expressed her interest in him so since this is a little more recent uh social media is like a big thing in this case so um 
you can actually still see Heather's Twitter account. So I did take a scroll, um, and it explores her interests in Sydney. So some of the tweets uh, were her talking about the man who fixes things at her work that she was like super interested in. Some of the tweets were directed in a more sexually explicit manner of things she wanted to do to the said man that she was previously tweeting about. Uh, there was also a small thread of tweets between Heather and another friend. The friend initially tweeted at Heather, stating that she had a lot of quote-unquote explaining to do. And Heather uh, tweets back, saying that, um, or the friend uh, was asking Heather when she works next, so essentially Heather could spill the tea to her. Not word for word, that's just more modern day talk. Um, <laughs> more modern day Heather replies that she works at the House of Blues, but will be by the Tilted Kilt later for food. And also, quote, Sydney will be there, so you know I have to make an appearance. That kind of makes my stomach drop a little bit. Mm -hmm. And a few hours after that interaction, Heather tweeted about a bad thing she did, and whatever situation she was in was, quote, deep and about to get deeper, unquote. And we're just assuming that all of this is about her interest in Sydney Moore. I don't like where this is at all. No. Um, it's it, does it kind of freak you out a little bit that this happened like right down the street from where we were? Yes, where we met. Yes, one hundred percent. Like literally, like right down the street. Walking distance. It's mm -hmm. it's a little scary. So uh, again, it is very known, like through her friends, her coworkers, that Heather was definitely attracted to Sydney. So according to sources, Heather and Sydney actually began a relationship around July 2013, and it lasted about three months, ending in October 2013. However, Sydney said that the relationship that they did have was confined to just the month of September of that same year. So the reason for the relationship ending was that Tammy, Sydney's wife, found out about the affair. She confronted Heather via a phone call, and it was said that Tammy completely belittled her, telling her that Heather was just a booty call and meant absolutely nothing to Sydney. According to sources, Tammy and Sydney had a very, like, not very, they had an open relationship. Tammy apparently had a boyfriend of her own during this time, and Sydney, prior to Heather, had a girlfriend. But the only difference between that previous girlfriend and Heather was that Sydney decided to keep Heather a secret from Tammy. I wonder why um, he did that. Yeah, not sure. I never explained Do you think maybe why. it was like the age thing because she was so much younger than him at the time? It definitely could be. Yeah, hmm. because it, it didn't say like how, like what age his previous girlfriend was or what age Tammy's apparent boyfriend was, but he just decided to keep her a secret. Hmm. So, Tammy's attacks on Heather continued. Um, Tammy would call Heather, comment on her social media posts, as well as send her explicit photos of Tammy and Sydney to Heather. Of them in, like, sexual acts and stuff like that. Wait. What is this woman's deal? She's nuts. Oh my nuts. god. So Tammy would also constantly call Heather's place of work at the Tilted Kilt uh, to try to get Heather fired, stating that if she wasn't fired, her husband would never come again to repair anything. 
and she also at this point had lost all trust in her husband apparently every night she would handcuff him to the bed every time he left the house she would travel with him even if it was to work and apparently even made him get her name tattooed above his crotch area and this was something that Sydney agreed to everything so I just I don't understand their dynamic at all like she has a boyfriend Mm -hmm. and now suddenly she has lost trust in Sydney yes while they're in an open relationship like well I mean I guess it might be because he didn't tell her about Heather but that's still not what it's still way way over the top yeah Mm -hmm. so by November December-ish uh the relationship between Heather and Sydney was well over as well as any contact between Tammy and Heather so everything was kind of like done with and Heather was finally moving on from the relationship which did leave her super heartbroken but things were looking a lot better for her she had gotten a job at a salon in Myrtle Beach and was open to dating new people so on December 17th Heather went on a date with a Stephen, I think I'm going to pronounce this right, but Sheraldi. So the two drove around neighborhoods looking at Christmas lights, and then Stephen actually took her to a parking lot, I believe in Merle's Inlet, where he taught her how to drive a manual, which she sent pictures to her father and Brianna. And Brianna at the time, since it is close to to the holidays, uh, was out of town. So Stephen then dropped Heather off at her apartment in Carolina Forest at around 1.15 a.m., and he was the last person to have ever seen Heather alive. So that same night, morning-ish, so remember Heather got home at like 1.15 a.m. Mm-hmm. So Heather had received a call from an unfamiliar number that she picked up. Uh, after about five minutes, the call ended and she immediately called Brianna. Brianna recounted that Heather was hysterical on the phone, explaining that Sydney had called her from a payphone and said he was leaving his wife and wanted to meet up with Heather. And Brianna responded by telling her she probably shouldn't, and after a couple minutes, that call was ended. I'm... Oh, I don't know if I read too much true crime or watch too much true crime, but if Sydney is willing to literally get Tammy's name tattooed right above his crotch, like, is what's he gonna leave saying... Her? Right? Like, what's mm-hmm. saying that he didn't, or Tammy didn't ask him to call. Right, right. Yep. And, uh, yeah, just very suspicious circumstances. Huh. So, a couple days later, on December 19th, Heather's Dodge Intrepid was found at the Peachtree Landing boat launch. All I of missed her? the Waccamaw River. Do you? <laughs> Yeah, there's not water here. (laughs) I guess that's true. I guess that's true. So all her doors were locked, and when they were able to open the vehicle, there was no signs of her phone, keys, or purse in the vehicle. All her calls uh, went unanswered. She was not at her place of work or her apartment. Uh, Ori County Police then began a missing person investigation. Since Stephen was the last person to see her, he was questioned very quickly, but completely cleared. The day after the car was found, a search of the area came out empty. This is my favorite point in this. A search of the river bend down to the Winyaw Bay by a team of rescue divers from none only than my alma mater, 
Coastal Carolina University shots up. <laughs> oh no, you had to add that in there. No, I am really proud of them. They're yeah. badasses. So uh, there, unfortunately, their search also came up empty-handed. But uh, a few weeks later, on New Year's Day, a set of bones were found. But after testing, they were found to belong to a male. So not Heather's. Can we circle back for a second? They literally were like, "Okay, here's some other bones that were found, by the way." But I did not see anything else about the like they everything I read about this case like touched on that they found another set of bones but never revealed anything about it. It very much reminds me of the Gabby Petito case, how when they were searching for her they found like six or seven other bodies yeah. in the national forest. But like do we hear anything of it? No. No. Um, cell phone records from that night were able to kind of shed some light on this case a little bit. So the investigators were able to track the location of Heather's phone from the night she disappeared. And there was a lot of activity from the two hours after she called Brianna, but it cannot be certain or 100% that it was actually Heather who had the phone. But I will kind of recount all the cell phone activity from that night. Hmm. So around 2.30 a.m., a call had been made to that payphone that Sydney had called her from, but there was no answer from that payphone. Her phone was then pinged by a nearby bar from her apartment, where it was there for about 15 minutes. Her phone then left the bar, but stayed in the Carolina Forest area, then returned to the same bar for another 15 minutes. A call was then placed to Sydney's cell phone, but that went unanswered. The phone then pinged back to Heather's apartment for five minutes, where she tried to contact Sydney again with no luck. Her phone then pinged to Sydney's house, where a four-minute phone call conversation occurred. Around 3.30 a.m., her phone pinged at Peachtree Landing, where three calls to Sydney's phone were made. Around 3.41 a.m., another attempt was made, and that's when all the data from Heather's phone just ends. And the last location is to be identified somewhere in the Waccamaw National Wildlife Refuge. Refuge. That's, that's Re- a big place. Yeah. How do I say that word? Did I say that word correctly? Refuge? Refuge? Why did I feel like that does not sound correct? <laughs> no, you totally said it right. <laughs> On top of cell phone records, uh, security camera footage was uh, pretty big. and Not big, but shed some more light on this case. So there was footage from a kangaroo gas station where Sydney had initially made uh, the first phone call at 1.35 a.m., as well as footage from a Walmart showing Sydney purchasing cigars and a pregnancy test. Uh, that's an interesting combination. Yeah, yeah, and I... Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> I'm going to touch on that a little later. Is it freaking you out a little bit? Because I, as you say, these locations, like obviously you know there's where more they than are. one Circle K, there's more than one Walmart, but yeah, I, I, yeah. I do. It's like, yeah, yep. So the investigators were also able to pull footage between Sydney's home and the landing, which is only about three miles between the two. And the footage showed a Ford F-150 driving the direction of the landing at 3.36 a.m. to 3.39 a.m. And then in the opposite direction at 3.45 a.m. and 3.46 a.m. The license plate could not be made out, but after uh, further investigation, based on the route it took, it was able to kind of figure out, like, the area of where this truck belonged to and 
So they looked at all the possible owners of a Ford F-150 in that radius, and the only person who owned a Ford F-150 in that area belonged to Sydney. And after investigation, it was revealed that the night of Heather's disappearance, the GPS navigation on, this was a brand new truck, so it had like GPS navigation stuff, and it was disactivated on the vehicle. Huh. Mm -hmm. There's there's a lot going on right now. Yeah. Uh, So this is where it gets kind of long, but in January of that following year, the first two arrests that were actually made in relation to this case were two people who weren't even like sus- like initial suspects of the case. It was a Christopher Barrett and a Garrett Ryan Starnes were arrested and charged with obstruction of justice. So the police said both of them had posted on social media of information about the case that turned out to be false or misleading and just completely ended in a waste of time for the investigators who were part of this case. That's, like, not a great thing. That's no, it's a very shitty, shitty thing, of them, but yeah. also I would like the cops to focus more on getting the people who killed her. Then, um, yeah. But I do remember uh, very vividly there was a lot of harassment for the family, so I feel like it may have gone a yeah, lot Yeah, and I will touch on that. that a little bit as yeah, well. Yeah, I remember that and, like, a lot of screaming, so. <laughs> so in... February of 2014, Sydney had told police that his family was being targeted due to the publicity of this case. He claimed that people were shooting at his truck while driving on the roads with his family. They received tons of threats, and their family pet had been killed and mutilated. That's fucked up. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I don't like this guy, and I don't but, like Tammy, but that's yeah. pretty fucked up. So, on February 21st, police showed up at the Moore's residence to execute a search warrant for the property. After an 11-hour search, both Sydney and Tammy were arrested at their home and charged with murder, kidnapping, obstruction of justice, and two counts on a, of indecent exposure. So, the decent, indecent exposure charge was from explicit photos found on their phone uh, that were very clearly taken in public places. Oh, God, these people. And the obstruction of justice charges were from Sydney. He initially lied about the payphone call and only changed his story when they were like, dude, we know you called her from the payphone. We have security footage. Because initially he was like, I never called her from a payphone. You're on camera. What do you mean? (laughs) And then the police did not go into detail about anything that supported the murder or kidnapping charges. Kidnapping, I think, is, uh, oh, well, yeah, I guess. Never mind. (laughs) So they posted a $20,000 bond for the obstruction of justice and exposure charges, but had waived the bond on the kidnapping charges in favor of the murder charges, which they were initially held without bond. There was also a, the court issued a gag order on all participants in the case, which just, there were not, anybody involved in this case was not allowed to publicly talk about the case or trial. I do remember the gag order because my aunt would watch like the morning news and this was a big story. Yeah. Like a really, really big story with local news stations. 
So the investigators also announced that they would be making additional charges to the case, but were actually completely unrelated to Heather's case, actually. So um, it was that the Moors were involved in Medicare fraud, Medicaid fraud. <laughs> oh my God, working with insurance every day. Yeah, that. they're just a mess. That is not good to do. <laughs> and there was like... A lot of the articles kind of touched on exactly what was involved with the Medicaid fraud, but I just did not find it important yeah, or relevant no, to Heather. Insurance so. is boring. Yeah. So I just, I'm going to leave it at that. So the Moors, before their arrest, drew a lot of attention on social media, claiming that Heather was a stalker, and the police were so pressed on making them suspects that they were protecting the actual killers. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm uh, I'm conflicted with this one. Because obviously, what the fuck? They killed a girl. Yeah. But at the same time, their dog got mutilated. I feel like I can... We just have to separate their dog from them. Their dog is not blood related to them. You're right. You're right. I really... I don't feel bad for these people at all. I just feel bad <laughs> for the dog. So, after 11 months of being held, the Moors were released from jail after a judge accepted Tammy's mother's home as collateral for their $100,000 bond on the murder charges. I said we're going to put you on house arrest, but (laughs) what house? The prosecutors told the court during the bond hearing that there was no direct evidence linking Sydney and Tammy to Heather's disappearance. So, the Elvis family tried to fight their release as they have also been receiving threats from the Mora family and this time the Mora family it was pretty much you either supported the Elvis family or the Moors family so clearly the Elvises right so Heather's family was like receiving threats from the Mora family and their supporters so the court ordered Sydney and Tammy to have GPS monitoring their whereabouts and they had to at least stay five miles away from the Elvis home and avoid any any at all interaction with them on social media sites i remember um the younger sister older sister younger morgan morgan yeah i remember uh she went to sacristy and wasn't the house like super like the moore's house super close to sacristy yes they lived in sacristy yeah yeah because i remember um there being a lot of a lot of things going on with like that court order specifically and the fact that Morgan still had to attend school, school. Oh, but I might be wrong. I don't no, know. No, that's pro. I it didn't anything I read didn't really touch on that, but that makes sense. Yeah, I just rumor. Like the more you talk about this case, the more I remember, which of, is like, really cool. Which I was things. hoping that you would like, kind of shed some light on like, because mine is just all like information that I found, but you like were actually there for it. I don't, I mean, like, not fully, but, like, there was definitely, the thing I remember the most was uh, that billboard that was put up above mm-hmm. the Sakasi Swing Bridge. Do you remember that? I don't. And it, it was uh, Heather Elvis, like, her poster, and um, it said, have you seen this girl? Ah. And they had it everywhere, like, every restaurant, every billboard. Um, Sakasi had banners put out on their fences. Okay. And I remember that, too. So that's what I, I mean, like, I really didn't see a lot other than that and like it seemed to go on for a very long time that they mm-hmm. they had those up yeah 
So, due to the publicity of this case, the Moores had a hard time finding work in or- anywhere in Horry County, so the court allowed them to move to Florida, where Sydney had found work while the case was still pending, but they were still required to meet all terms and conditions held to them initially. Yeah, weird. Hmm. In March of 2016, so this is like two and a few months, so two years and a few months after Heather initially disappeared, the prosecutors actually dropped the murder charges of both uh, against, the prosecutors dropped the murder charges against both Sydney and Tammy without prejudice, which meaning uh, they could be reinstated at any time at any date if the state decided to. I kind of get it because of the whole no body, no crime thing. Exactly. The reason why, yeah. And the indecent exposure charges were also dropped as well as the obstruction of justice charge against Tammy because they were kind of just really focused on what happened to Heather. Totally fair. Um, Still want to see these two people rot in prison. Right. first trial in relation to Heather's disappearance took place. This was to decide whether or not Sydney had kidnapped her. So Heather's co-workers actually testified that Heather indeed did have an affair with Sydney and that they believed as well as Heather herself believed that she was pregnant as a result of the affair. Goes back to the pregnancy test. Exactly. Yep. Got it. So, law enforcement provided phone and video records that the prosecutors argued connected Sydney to Heather the morning of the disappearance, which was just all the phone and security footage that I mentioned earlier. So, the jury was also taken to see the Moore's house and Peachtree Landing just to show how close those two actually were, because again, it only took three minutes to get to one from the other and that's the exact time that Sydney was seen driving in that direction hmm the last day of the trial Brianna Heather's roommate at the time testified she talked about the affair between Sydney and Heather and did become incredibly upset when having to recall her last conversation with Heather that night the defense questioned her about Heather's previous abusive ex-boyfriend prior to Sydney, as well as any difficulties Heather had with her family. The defense closed off by stating all this only proved of an affair between the two and nothing else. The jury ended up being divided, with ten members wanting to convict and two who did not. So a mistrial was declared due to this hung jury. So due to this mistrial a new trial was to come in the future and sydney requested for a change of venue which will take place in the neighboring georgetown county just due to all the publicity of this case here's the thing though um georgetown is not that far knows away. what the fuck is going on yeah, yeah. it's like a 30 30 yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> a 30 minute is what we're trying to say um we just get each other like that um, we totally do we also yeah. uh, get directions which is great <laughs> which i normally don't know <laughs> um so on the second day of this uh first trial sydney had actually spoken to a media outlet about the case which violated his gag order and was sentenced to five months in prison for that he was let out after two minutes due to good behavior and then he spoke to the media again after being released stating the trial after how long two months 
I thought you said two minutes. I was <laughs> like, what the heck? They literally closed the cell door, <laughs> opened it, like, it and said, you're free to go. Great behavior, buddy. <laughs> no, two months. Uh, but he did speak to the media again after being released, just stating that this trial was just malic- malicious prosecution. Fucking idiot. Mm-hmm. So this is now comes to the trial number two. So in July of 2017, Sydney was tried on the obstruction charge. The trial focused on Sydney initially lying to the jury, or Sydney Sydney lying to the investigators about the phone call from the payphone, and then he only admitted it after he found out they had security footage. So Tammy's cousin also came forward at this trial, stating that at some point after Heather's disappearance, Sydney had showed him something on his phone that proved he knew more about the case than what he was telling the police, but he did not um, elaborate exactly on what he saw on the phone. And again, this trial happened July of 2017, and it wasn't released to the public that until a Dateline episode on this case of March of 2021, so March of this year, that Tammy's cousin revealed that it was a photo of Heather in which she appeared to be dead and blood on her shirt and scratches on her face. Oh, that literally makes my stomach hurt. Mm -hmm. And then after, so back to 2017 now, after three days, Sydney was convicted and sentenced to 10 years in prison, which is the max offense for obstruction charges. And he applied for parole in November of 2018, but was denied. Just to give you guys some perspective on how long this case, like, lingered in our area, um, when this case started, I was in eighth grade, and I had graduated by the time the trial had started. Like, graduated high school. That's so crazy. Yeah. So those, like I said, those posters from earlier, up the entire time, they still haven't found a body. Like, Mm -hmm. it's insane. So in April of 2018, again... Heather disappeared in 2013, so now we're in 2018. A grand jury indicted Sydney and Tammy on a single count of conspiracy to kidnap. Due to the gag order, the prosecutors did not elaborate on what brought this happening, but speculation believes that investigators might have found new evidence or that one of them agreed to testify against the other, but because of that gag order, we don't really know. So, trial number three happened almost five years after Heather disappeared. So, that's 2013, 14, 15, 16, 17. So, again, in 2018. Um, Tammy went on trial. I can't believe I just counted. Um. <laughs> no, I'm proud of you. I didn't know the answer either. <laughs> so, 2018, Tammy went on trial, which this drew national attention. Some of the evidence introduced uh, were th- the threatening messages that Tammy had sent to Heather to support the case that Tammy was driven into a jealous rage when she found out about Heather's possible pregnancy. She also had also, through social media, called Heather a, quote, psycho whore and suggested that she was stalking her and her family. Sydney's mother also testified that a few days after learning about the affair, Tammy had severely beat her husband. The defense tried to move for a mistrial when sexually explicit messages Tammy had sent to her lover, so this is like her boyfriend, were introduced as they were damaging to her character and the jury could be moved to convict her, despite these having little to no relevance in the case or charges. 
Her team, mm-hmm. however, had pointed out that these messages proved that she wasn't pressed about the affair, and she had a lover of her own and admitted to being in an open relationship. So it was like one side saying, like, this is not like what you think of. Like, she was pretty upset about the affair, but her team was like, no, she didn't care about it. Hmm. So Tammy had taken the stand and claimed that her and Heather had a quote, nice conversation and that they squashed all beef before her disappearance which it's never been proven or anything nice little chat little 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 conversation that didn't end in murder of anybody (laughs) while tammy through social media and um while tammy through social media and everything depicted her husband's affair as a fling or booty call the evidence that came to play said otherwise so a hotel room key was found in heather's car that night along with a receipt that proves sydney had paid for the room which kind of suggests it was more than just like a one and done hookup like they spent time together and tammy's only response to the investigators finding that was she just wanted a picture of the receipt on her phone hmm tammy's defense initially had her children and mother and another unnamed witness to testify but they were actually accused of violating a sequestration sequestration sequest how do you say that word sequestration sequestration order sure i have no clue i i was gonna try to say it but it's not working in my brain right now me neither sequestration i think that's what it is forgive me if we're wrong but um this forbidden what the family and anybody testifying from watching any live footage of the trial uh, the defense had to so they actually violated that and a uh, deputy testified that he had seen everybody so it was again Tammy's children mother and an unnamed witness so this deputy said that he saw them watching coverage on a laptop but the Moore's older son actually denied this but the judge ruled in favor of the deputy and barred the defense from presenting them to testify hmm then, Tammy's sister, Ashley Kaysen, then got on the stand. She testified that the tattoo Sydney had gotten had happened previous to his relationship with Heather and showed text between her and the tattoo artist's wife. She said the handcuff was for sexual roleplay in which Tammy would handcuff Sydney to the bed. The defense asked her about the night of Heather's disappearance, and she said that she had been watching the Moore kids until around 3.10 a.m., when Tammy had texted her that her and Sydney had returned home. And that is her stating that, like, they were home for the night where, like, the but the footage showed Sydney's truck driving about 40 minutes after that time frame. Sounds not adding home. up. Heather's former roommate, Sydney Moffat, testified about Heather's previous abusive boyfriend and recounted a time in 2012 where Heather returned home with bruises but admitted that she had little to no contact with Heather since 2012 so she really was no help yeah it doesn't sound like she was 
Two men testified who knew Heather. One, he said, was in a sexual relationship with her, but provided no other information. The other said he could have possibly seen her at a bar in Merle's Inlet on December 20th, which would be like three days after her supposed disappearance. But after security footage proved this uh, said lady did not have the distinctive tattoos that Heather had, so it was really just... Yeah, nothing. Why did they even have him take the stand? Yeah, don't know. So, Tammy, though, uh, doubted the handcuff story, stating that her and Sydney slept in a sleigh bed. So, it's if you don't know what a sleigh bed is, it's literally a bed that looks like a sleigh, like Santa's sleigh. So, according to her, it was not possible to actually use handcuffs on that bed. She said uh, she was initially angry of learning angry after learning about the affair but then they took a trip to disneyland and she got over it (laughs) that was a direct quote (laughs) oh my god (laughs) it's not funny i'm sorry nothing about this is funny but what the fuck (laughs) she's crazy she said on the night of the disappearance her and sydney had gone out to have sexual relations in his truck and then by pregnancy tests as they were trying to have another child so that's her. I don't think that works that way. <laughs> that's what like, I, I think you gotta house. wait for a little bit. <laughs> so after returning to the house at apparently 3.10 a.m., she said she stayed up because she had housework to do. And when uh, Heather had called Sydney's phone that night, it was in fact Sydney who took the call. After an 11-day trial, the jury convicted Tammy and was sentenced to both conspiracy to and as well kidnapping. So conspiracy to kidnapping and kidnapping. She was sentenced to 30 years for each to run concurrently. Shortly after this, Tammy said she would be appealing the verdict since everything was just based off of circumstantial evidence. I don't like her. (laughs) So was your Disneyland trip, bitch. (laughs) So the fourth trial took place in September of 2019, which was Sydney's retrial. This included the kidnapping charge as well as conspiracy to kidnap, which same as Tammy. The most stemming evidence being from Tammy's cousin who had the photo that Sydney, who talked about the photo Sydney showed him. More new evidence surfaced, such as home security footage showing Sydney washing his truck on December 20th, 2013, which the judge agreed it wasn't suspicious as it was a new vehicle and lots of people do that with new cars. Um, but according to sources, the Moors were not the type of people to have a clean car. <laughs> I love that. They um, were messy. Just because they're like, you guys, you not, they no, were you're messy. not clean. <laughs> um, after looking into more footage, it also showed that not only did Sydney wash the truck, but he burnt the rigs after cleaning. Which Who does, does that? Okay, that one you can't explain. So Sydney did try to explain it. The defense argued that it wasn't out of the ordinary that the Moors were, like, burning their rags because the neighbors regularly used burn piles. But why would you put the rag on there? Right? And the thing is, like, one source that I read um, was, like, when you find a good rag to wash your car you don't just one and done it. You keep it for the next wash if you're going to continue washing your vehicle. Well, it just seems wasteful, honestly. Right? Yeah. 
Um, surveillance footage also showed Tammy and her sister Ashley searching the yard with mirrors, which were another strong piece of evidence against the Moors, which, yeah. Why were, what the fuck is wrong with these people? <laughs> like, I don't, that's not even like a constructive way to search. Mm-hmm. Is angling a mirror at a ground, <laughs> which I assume they did. And then looking for evidence that, what? <laughs> I why am I so pressed about this? I just don't understand. I can just imagine them being stupid as fuck, walking around their backyards with full length mirrors, <laughs> trying that's to find how, some shit. That's how I pictured it too. Like it didn't really specify what kind of mirrors. Like it could really be like little circle mirrors, but I picture them with like seven foot mirrors. Like <laughs> no one like says I'm gonna go on a treasure hunt and brings a mirror. <laughs> Who does that? Bring a flashlight, maybe. I don't know. Magnifying glass, possibly. Mm-hmm. If you're from the fucking 1950s. But a mirror? Yep. Oh, my God. Okay, I'm sorry. My outburst is over. <laughs> so after six years, hand followed Charles and a lifetime of heartache and questions, a verdict came to play. After two hours of deliberations, the jury found Sidney Moore guilty of kidnapping and guilty of conspiracy to kidnapping, and he received the same sentence as Tammy, two 30-year sentences concurrently. The Moore's And they can't charge for murder because there's no body? Is that correct? What? Correct. But if a body is found, um, that could the murder charges can be reinstated to both Sidney and Tammy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, to this day, the Moors still deny any connection to Heather's disappearance, and again, Heather has still not been found to this day. So, if you do have any information on this case, please contact the Horry County Police in South Carolina. And that is the story of the disappearance of Heather Elvis. I remember, I might be remembering this wrong, but you, I, this is a pretty big deal in the news, too. Um... Wasn't there a piece in the case where Sydney had just put in a new driveway, so they were really interested in in the cement? Or am I thinking of I Brittany Drexel? I didn't um, read anything on that, so it might be the Brittany Drexel case. Mm, no, I I'm not sure about this. Yeah, I'm not sure either. I just remember um, them saying for a really long time in that whole media storm that they were going to rip up the driveway. Okay. Uh, yeah, I didn't read anything about it, but that could have happened. I have no clue. I don't want to spread false information, but I just remember. That's really interesting. Kind though. of that. But yeah, I wanted to tell a story about that happened in our our own backyard. I didn't know half of that stuff. I really didn't. And it's a really, you know, um, Wikipedia was like, usually I get a few things from Wikipedia but it was, like, incredibly helpful in this case. Like, yeah. Incredibly detailed. Which I'm, I mean, this is the biggest case to happen in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina area, right. other than the Brittany Drexel case. Yes. yes. Which was also very majorly big. big. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it you did a very good job because I knew almost nothing about that. Very interesting to learn about because I just... So this happened in 2013, and I moved to that area in 2015. So I have heard about it here and there. And then I saw a little bit of the Dateline case that came out this year in March. But I figured it would be cool to learn more about it. And hopefully 
maybe our listeners know some information and can help find heather thank you guys for listening uh remember to share our podcast with everybody you know i was about to say also happy thanksgiving you guys yeah happy thanksgiving everybody hope you enjoyed this episode (laughs) 